A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Today is Monday, May 18th, 2020. On this day in 1998, the United States Department of Justice and Department of the Treasury announced the arrests of over 20 Mexican bankers, all of them connected to drug cartel money laundering. It was one of the largest laundering busts in history. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Today we're covering Operation Casablanca, a three-year-long undercover operation linking various Mexican banks to drug cartels. Let's go back to Washington, D.C. on the morning of May 18, 1998. Attorney General Janet Reno and Treasury Secretary Robert Rubin were about to make an announcement. The press room bustled with reporters. Word was out that today's news was something major. None of the papers wanted to miss this. An abrupt silence fell as Secretary Rubin cleared his throat and began to read his statement. Today, we have hurt the drug cartels where it hurts the most, in their pocketbooks. He continued with the details. The United States would be throwing money laundering charges at 26 Mexican bank officials and three of Mexico's largest banks, Confia, Bancomar, and Banca Serfin. The reporters started whispering, but Rubin wasn't done. Mexican bankers weren't the only ones the U.S. had rounded up. They'd also hit some of the biggest cartels directly, arresting 14 members of the Colombian Cali Cartel and two members of the Mexican Juarez Cartel. With the help of local, state, and federal law enforcement agencies, U.S. Customs had made 112 arrests across six different countries. On top of all that, they'd seized $35 million, two tons of cocaine, and four tons of marijuana during their raids. Even now, the arrests and seizures were ongoing. There were nine other banks suspected of working with the cartels, some with branches in the United States. U.S. Customs believed that ultimately, they would be able to seize up to $110 million in laundered drug money. Attorney General Janet Reno stepped forward and declared, We set out to disrupt the money laundering networks that fuel the international drug trafficking trade, and we succeeded. Operation Casablanca built a roadmap that tracked the structure of the international drug cartels from the kingpins to the couriers and the bankers in between. Watching the announcement unfold on television was Special Agent Bill Gately, and all he could do was laugh. Gately had been head of the operation whose results Reno and Rubin were announcing. He was the man who knew all the players and all the money coming in and out of the Mexican banks. 
And sure, Gately was proud of all the work he'd accomplished over the last three years, but he wasn't nearly as convinced of its success as the U.S. government seemed to be. Because Gately knew that it could have gone further, much further. Operation Casablanca started out as a way to get back at the bankers who were in league with the cartels. But as the investigation proceeded, Gately was shocked to discover how high up the chain the laundering scheme went. It wasn't just bankers looking to cash in, but the Mexican government, too. Gately had heard that Mexico's Secretary of Defense, General Enrique Cervantes, wanted to launder roughly $1 billion of drug money with a Mexican bank. He was delighted at the find. Nailing someone so high up would be a major blow to drug smuggling operations. But when Gately took this information to his superiors, the only response he got was that Operation Casablanca was going to be shut down. Within two weeks, arrests would be made, not including Cervantes, and that was going to be the end of it. Any investigation into the Secretary of Defense would stop before it even got started. Operation Casablanca, Gately was convinced, shouldn't have ended. They could have made a much bigger dent in the Cali and Juarez cartels and possibly landed a major player in the whole criminal conspiracy. Instead, they called it quits. It wouldn't be long before Gately filled out his retirement papers. If he wasn't able to do his job the right way, if he had to sit on the sidelines as justice fell prey to politics, it was time to get out. Coming up, the background and fallout of Operation Casablanca. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. On May 18th, Treasury Secretary Robert Rubin and Attorney General Janet Reno announced the end of Operation Casablanca, a years-long investigation into drug cartels and the Mexican banks they used to launder their money. The operation led to one of the biggest money laundering busts in U.S. history. And it all started with a U.S. Customs Special Agent stationed in Los Angeles, California. As a U.S. Customs Special Agent, it was William Bill Gately's job to investigate drug trafficking and money laundering in California. Money laundering plays a major role for the drug cartels, especially the largest ones, tasked with moving enormous quantities of money. There are various ways they can handle this laundering, including setting up front businesses. But they don't always do it alone. Banks are sometimes key in helping cartels clean their dirty money because, despite the legal risk, the cartels know how to make it lucrative for financial institutions. As Gately himself put it, money laundering to the drug trafficker means I will give 22 cents on the dollar if you give me my 78 cents clean. 
With the millions that drug traffickers bring in each month, the potential payout for the banks adds up. Gately realized that if he was able to build a large-scale case against these banks, he would be able to strike a major blow to the drug cartels. His superiors agreed. In November 1995, Gately got the green light to investigate the Mexican banks. Operation Casablanca was a go. Gately and his team posed as precious gem dealers that were open to laundering money for criminals. That is, they'd sell criminals gems or offer investment opportunities, turning drug money into a legitimate asset. The cover worked. They quickly started making cartel contacts that took them up on their offer and connected them to the right banks. The banks came into it as middlemen. Their job was to move the drug money coming from the gem business into and out of different accounts, hiding its dirty origins through complex, confusing transactions. But little did they know Gately, their partner, was keeping careful track of every new account for the U.S. government. Within six months, Gately and his crew of undercover agents had nine banks working for them. Within three years, they'd created a complicated laundering network that crisscrossed the globe, funneling cartel money into a multitude of different businesses. The operation was running perfectly. Then, at the beginning of 1998, Gately was hit with a bombshell request from one of his Mexican bankers. They wanted him to launder $1 billion. Word spread that the person behind the request was the Mexican Secretary of Defense, Enrique Cervantes. But Cervantes was supposed to be one of the leading fighters against the cartels. The request was eye-opening. It proved how corruption within the Mexican government and military allowed the cartels to thrive. Gately was ready to act on the intel and launch the most important part of his operation yet, bringing down the cartel's government contacts. The implications were huge. The arrest could potentially prove fatal to cartel operations. Unfortunately, Gately wasn't given the opportunity to start collecting evidence of Cervantes's crimes. Despite backing from Treasury Secretary Robert Rubin, his operation was reined in. More powerful people within the U.S. government didn't want to cause a stir with Mexico. At least, that's what Gately thought. The U.S. government would later claim the investigation ended prematurely thanks to leaks threatening the operation. Regardless, in May 1998, Gately was given two weeks to shut down Casablanca. Throughout May, more than 168 people affiliated with the cartel's money laundering process, Mexican bankers, drug traffickers, and more, were arrested around the world. Three of Mexico's leading banks, Confia, Bancomer, and Banca Serfin, were indicted for money laundering. Even without an attempted arrest of government figures like Cervantes, the case was big enough to have major political consequences. The Mexican government was outraged that the United States had conducted a secret operation on their soil, essentially questioning their sovereignty. 
A few months later, both countries signed the Brownsville Agreement, which requires each country to notify the other of clandestine operations happening on their soil. An impactful outcome for Operation Casablanca, but not the intended one, which unfortunately wasn't achieved. Operation Casablanca failed to cripple the cartels, Leaving the top of the laundering hierarchy untouched meant the system was able to recover, just as Gately had feared. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more stories about cartels and the criminals that run them, check out ParCast original Kingpins. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Joe Guerra, with writing assistance by Nora Battelle. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 